Isn't this a nice novel thing, having church on Sunday morning? <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine who pastors in central New Brunswick where due to freezing rain, services are canceled again. And he said, uh, I've got this great uh, New Year's Day message I'm hoping to deliver in February. <laughs> it is good that we can gather together to enjoy fellowship, to worship the Lord together to open up His Word together. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we praise You this morning. We praise You because You're all that we've sung about and so, so much more. We praise You in Your greatness and Your majesty and Your holiness and Your love and Your compassion. Lord, we praise You. We praise You for so great a salvation offered to us freely but paid with such a great price. The blood of your own dear Son who willingly gave his life as a propitiation for our sins, offered freely to all who believe. Lord, we praise you this morning for your Spirit at work in every believer, the seal of our inheritance, the one guiding us into all truth. Lord, we praise you this morning for your church, of which your Son is the undisputed head. Lord, we praise you that it has stood for 2,000 years and the gates of hell do not stand against it. Lord, we praise you for your word, which you have given us and preserved for us, so that we may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Lord, this morning as we open your word, as we look into it, we need you to open it for us. So Lord, remove distractions from us now. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, minds to understand and most of all hearts to be changed for your glory and yours alone in Jesus Christ. Amen. So as we come into this new year, There's a fair bit of unsettledness. I teach school, and one morning I come into school, and the students say, Mr. Michaels, will it be World War III this week? And it's like, I don't have it on my calendar, but <laughs> I suppose anything can happen. And there are a group of, of 11 and 12-year-olds, and the first thing on their mind is that the world is about to collapse into global warfare. Why? Because they are watching the internet and that's what people are talking about. Or then it's, it's concerned about, about diseases and viruses and things sweeping around and then it's just man's inhumanity to man. I was talking to some students just this past week and, and one of my students, a Nigerian, grieves the fact that she's not in Nigeria because her family is here because where they lived it's not safe to be there. She says, Mr. Michaels, I'm sad every day. I have a, a Chinese student, and he thought he was coming over here to Canada because his parents were coming for a work project, and after they arrived, they told him that we're not going back because where we live there, it's not good to be there because there is suffering, because there is so many things that are disturbing in this world and some people say, well, it's, it's what's happening now. Oh, if it was only not the good old days. Those of you who lived in the good old days, 
You know that the only good thing about the good old days is that they're the old days. I said once to a group of students, said anyone who tells you that the world is good, as in human society, at any time in history, is not a student of history. Because we have always been living in a broken world since man fell. A world filled with pain and suffering with conflict. So what is we're experiencing right now in 2020 is not unusual. As a matter of fact, 700 years ago, the nation of Judah was facing this. They had adversaries from without, the Assyrians threatening to attack them. They're trying to make alliances with the Egyptians. In the inside of the country, there is moral decay. People are following false gods while saying they're also following the God of Israel. And all this is happening and prophets are telling them that God is going to bring judgment on the nation and there is so much difficulty. And in the midst of it, the prophet Isaiah moved by the Holy Spirit, pronounces these words. If you would turn to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61, looking at the beginning of the chapter. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Now Isaiah pens these words, while calamity is still approaching Judah will soon be overwhelmed, conquered by the Babylonians. But long before that happens, Isaiah, in speaking words of the Lord to King Manasseh, will be dragged out and will be martyred for his stand for God. 700 years later, if you'll turn to Luke chapter 4, we come to another event. As the brokenness of the world rolls on, as empires rise and fall, as there is suffering and bitterness and despair and sin rules in the hearts of humankind. One day, Luke chapter 4, starting to read at verse 16. He being Jesus, went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. 
The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Reading those words penned 700 years before by the prophet as he was led by the Spirit. And then what Jesus does. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And in that moment, a proclamation was made. The people in the synagogue probably grasped a tiny fraction of it. But this is what was happening. Words that the Lord had given to Isaiah 700 years before, saying, this is what I am going to do. In the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your domination by sin, I have a plan. And this is what it's going to look like. I have appointed one, and he is going to come. And he is going to preach good news to the poor, proclaim freedom to prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, release to the oppressed, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And on that Sabbath day, the answer to that was standing in the room. And as that scroll is laid out, and as he reads those words, I'm sure there are people sitting in the room going, oh, someday, Lord, someday. Just like we sing, I'll fly away. And some of you are thinking, oh, someday, someday. Before the end of the week would be nice. Before I have to deal with whatever I have to deal with next, before I have to face my boss, go to school, you know, Lord, I'll fly away. And they're sitting there thinking of someday in the future, and the Lord's answer is standing in the room. And he reads those words, and then he sits down as a rabbi would, and everybody's turned waiting to go, I wonder what he's going to exposit about this. I wonder what he's going to talk about about this, is this, this look to the future. And Jesus instead makes the statement... Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Why? Because the anointed one was standing in the room. The one who had the power and the ability to do what God had promised. To preach good news to the poor, proclaim freedom to prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, release to the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is Jesus Christ. He who would then go to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, willingly giving himself as a sacrifice acceptable to God, rising again in triumph over the grave, showing that the sacrifice was acceptable, now sitting at the Lord's right hand. I think it's important for us to dwell on this this morning as we look into a new year as we walk and navigate a broken world. Because you see, 
Sometimes even we ourselves, even if we're a believer in Christ, our thoughts can be, it's a broken world. It's a broken world. Just need to get through this broken world. Then I'll fly away from this broken world. Just want to get out of this broken world. I'm sure that'll become a country song. (laughs) When instead, this is what we know. If you know Christ, this is what you know. He came to you spiritually impoverished. And he preached to you good news. He came to you imprisoned, bound by sin and death. And he broke open the prison and he set you free. He came to you who were spiritually blind, who could not even see your bondage. And he gave you sight. He came to you oppressed, a slave to sin, and he set you free so you could follow a new good master. And he proclaimed to you the year of the Lord's favor. You, a part of the children of God. You, an heir, joint heir with Christ. That's what he proclaimed to you. So you see, If that is our mindset, then we're not going, I just got to get through. I just got to get through. Don't look at all the suffering. Just got to get through. Instead, we're going, wow. Yes, the world is broken. Yes, it is dominated by sin. But the Lord's anointed came and he made a proclamation. And he had the power to see that proclamation made into reality. So that our sin, we're told in Colossians, has been, record of our sin has been blotted out if we've come to Christ. Blotted out, gone, covered, removed, as we're told, as far as the east is from the west, removed, forgiven, we are told. Do you know the power of forgiveness? Have you contemplated the magnificence of forgiveness? Charles Price makes the comment that once when he was in Scotland, he was listening to a radio interview and the uh, head of psychiatric care for the nation of Scotland was being interviewed and he was talking about common ailments and such. And he made the statement, he said, do you know if people could experience a true sense of forgiveness, he said three quarters of the people that we give psychiatric care to now would not need it. Because he said all the people who are bound by all the things that have happened in their life, whether it's forgiveness for others or seeking forgiveness for themselves. And yet we have it proclaimed to us, purchased for us. We heard this morning, no more condemnation for those who are in Christ. No more condemnation for those who are in Christ. 
therefore, and as we're always told in Sunday school, whenever you see therefore, find out what it's there for because of what Christ has done. We have this. New creations we are. Paul tells us. He gives us a comforter through his spirit. We read in John 14, 16. We have this. We have a new identity in him. We have rest for our weariness in him. This is what we have. So my challenge to you this morning is what does that look like day to day? What does it look like day to day? Does it look like, I just got to get through. Can't look at the news. Just got to get through. Or does it look like, I've got something to tell you. I've got something to tell you. To go into your work and see everybody sitting there you know, hoping to get through the day thanks to Juan Valdez. You go, you know, that freedom has been proclaimed to captives? Do you know that sight has been promised to the blind? Do you know that the oppressed are offered freedom through Christ? Do you know that? Do you know that? Does it, do we actually exemplify that? I was talking, as I said, with my students, and they're talking about World War III, and it said, if World War III happens, is God still in control? And they're like, well, yes, because it's a good Christian school, and they know the right answers, <laughs> whether they actually live them out or not, just like the rest of us. I said, right now, how are you living out the fact that God is in control of your life? Are you walking around in fear like everybody else? Or is God at work in you? Is God at work in me? Because you see, if what Jesus said is true, if the proclamation that he made in saying, here is what the prophet Isaiah said that God the Sovereign One was sending His anointed and this is what He would be able to proclaim and do. And Jesus said, today it's fulfilled in your hearing because I'm the One. And we believe that He is and that He has then given this to us through our redemption, through His precious blood, then what does that look like? Because I can tell you something. If you think about it, use your sanctified imagination and picture each of these scenarios. You have a whole group of people who are poor. And you have one person who is rich. Will the rich person stand out? Yes. Yes. That was not a hard question. Yes. Yes. So if all the people around you are spiritually destitute, absolutely empty as far as hope and a future, and you have it, should you stand out? Yes. Oh, the world, we're doomed next week. Well, I'm, I know what's happening for eternity. Don't break into I'll fly away. 
I know what's happening for eternity. My God is with me no matter what the circumstances, no matter what happens to me. Whether I walk into the doctor's office and I get the diagnosis I never wanted to hear, He will be with me. Spiritually rich in the face of all circumstances. That will stand out. If everyone is in chains and one man walks free, will he stand out? Yes, he will stand out. Thank you, Clyde. Yes, if people are bound by worry, doubt, and fear, and you have confidence in the finished work of Christ, my sins are forgiven, I have strength for today, and I have hope for tomorrow, you will stand out. It doesn't make sense in this world when everyone else is in chains. If everyone is blind and you can see, you will stand out because you're not the one who keeps falling in the ditch. You will stand out. This past week I was talking to someone in one of my job situations and the person was talking about how they were living, they decided from now on the most important person they could live for was themselves. And so they'd gone off in a new direction, living for themselves. The person has children. They left the children with relatives because this person felt now they needed to focus on living for themselves. And I'm saying, that's a really bad plan. Because at some point, that person's going to realize the relationships that they've lost. But right now, that person couldn't see it. It seemed like a really good plan. It's all about self-care. So the most important thing is self-care. So I'm going to care about myself by simply removing the baggage of all the other lives interconnected with me. Now, as someone with a sense of the Spirit at work in you, you should look at that and go, that is a really bad plan. The whole concept of self-care, instead of just, you know, being sensible, looking after yourself, has now become this mantra of pride and selfishness for some. But someone who is not spiritually blind can look and go, that's not good, it's not all about you. Don't put yourself in the center of your universe. Release to the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The world needs hope. The world needs hope. Brother Andrew, who became famous for smuggling Bibles into Eastern Europe, has also been involved in a lot of ministries in the Middle East over the last few decades. At one point talked about, and this was in the days of the early days in Afghanistan, of getting the opportunity to go into the mountains of Afghanistan. And he said, took a lot of work, but people arranged for him to go, and he went up, and he met in the mountains of Afghanistan with the Mujahideen, who are the mountain fighters who are the, sort of the fathers of what became the Taliban. And he said, in the media, he was told, you know, here are the most ruthless cold, evil people you could imagine. And he said, so one day I'm brought up blindfolded, I'm up in the mountains and I'm brought into this tent and they unblindfold me and I'm sitting in this ring of old men. 
And he said, I looked around the room, and there were a group of men who were tired, who were old, who were filthy, some were confused. And he said, I looked around and said, by the grace of God, I saw here's a group of men who need to know the gospel. He said, they don't need somebody to drop a bomb on them. They need someone to preach truth to them, to redeem them. Because he said they were there in bondage to sin. They were there oppressed. And I said they needed someone. And they said, so I just started to to tell them my story because they wanted to know why in the world this tiny little old Dutchman wanted to go to the mountains of Afghanistan. So I just told them about the Lord. And he said, I don't know what the Lord did with it, but he said they let me talk until I couldn't talk anymore. And they sat there and they listened. Because he came to proclaim good news. He had no other agenda. He wasn't with the CIA. He wasn't with special forces. He wasn't with the United Nations. He was a little Dutch guy who was a believer in Jesus Christ who came to proclaim to them the year of the Lord's favor, the time of grace ushered in by Christ. The world needs to hear it. Our community needs to hear it. We hear so many things happening in our community. We hear about the constant problem with racism. Education is not going to change racism. What's going to change racism is a transformed heart. As God transforms our hearts, then we see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ and all the other things that are used to identify us become secondary because of the love of Christ in us. Social ills won't be changed by new programs. They're changed by a changed heart by Christ because then we love and we care for one another. So it's time for us to proclaim the good news, to preach good news to the poor, whether they realize they're poor yet or not, to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, release to the oppressed, and to proclaim this time of the Lord's favor. If you and I have experienced it, then we need to tell it. We need to tell it anywhere. All someone can do is say, I don't want to hear it. That's the Lord's business. We need to tell it, to proclaim it in this world. More than ever, we need to proclaim it. And we need Him to move us to do it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that when Jesus Christ stood in that synagogue in Nazareth, closed the scroll and said that it had been fulfilled in their hearing, he was absolutely true. The only person who could make that statement, the Son of God. He went on to fulfill it by laying down his life and taking it up again. And Lord, he's fulfilled it in our lives. 
and each person here who has come to the saving knowledge of you, transformed, redeemed, forgiven, given hope and a purpose. But Lord, as the world seems darker and darker around us, sometimes it's easier just to to try to just walk through, wait for our final removal from it. Lord, forgive us for this. As free men and women, Lord, open our mouths to speak to the captives. As spiritually rich, open our mouths to share with the spiritually poor. Lord, help us speak words of truth to the oppressed to proclaim this time of your favor. For we know this time will draw to a close. And as Isaiah wrote, judgment is also coming. So right now, Lord, give us the words to say. Show us the opportunities and then, Spirit, you move through us to do the work. And Lord, remind us too what we have. When the world around us gets us down and we forget and we complain or we feel sorry for ourselves, Lord, remind us what we have in the midst of it, hope and a future. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.